Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Hello, it's yours truly, Jamie J, with another episode of Culture Eats Strategy. I'm joined today by Christopher O'Donnell. So, pretty excited about what we're talking about today. Um, uh, I'm, I've, I've, I know most of you are familiar with HubSpot, um, and Christopher serves as a senior as a senior vice president of HubSpot product, um, which he led from the startup. Uh, 50 million in revenue to successfully publicly traded company, 600 million in revenue. Uh, Christopher has become a staple in the product management community and was recently named one of the best product leaders of 2019 via Comparably. That's not bad. He's a technologist, musician, and public speaker who has built dozens of web and mobile products. And his product portfolio ranges from language learning products for the U.S. military to the most popular free CRM product in the world. Uh, this is pretty cool. What you all know, the amount of weight that I put on with regards to importance of culture in the workplace, in life, is second to none, in my opinion. And that's why I stopped my podcast earlier that I was doing 250 episodes on for four and a half years to really explore this area. Um, I'm so passionate about it. And I'm so thankful and blessed that we have someone like Christopher uh, joining us today so that he can talk about that. Um, of course, he's a, he's a highly rated public speaker, a frequent guest lecturer at MIT Sloan School of Management, a major global commercial corporations. He speaks on topics like leadership and team building. Hmm. Wonder if this is a good fit for this episode, of course. Um, to audience of over 10,000, outside of his day job, Christopher spends his time as a songwriter and guitarist for his band, The Providers, with whom he has recorded dozens of albums across a variety of musical genres. I want to first welcome you, Christopher, to uh, Culture Eats Strategy. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure to be here. Thanks for, for inviting me on. And thank you for having this podcast. It's just such a killer topic. So important these days. Thank you. Thank you. I know th things are really busy right now because uh, your, your EA, your executive assistant is out on uh, darnity leave. So you, you, it, I, for you to even take the time to be here, I cannot thank you enough. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's, it's been great. I'm, my EA, Erin, is, is a super good friend, and she's just amazing, and she's a new mom now. And I, I decided to try to manage my own calendar while she was out, and I'm like totally learning my lesson. <laughs> it's brutal. <laughs> it's beyond brutal. So I'm happy to be here. It's just a miracle that I actually you know, was able to get myself to a time and place without adult supervision. But you know, here we are. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, um, you know, I want to jump into culture and trying to talk about that in your team building and, and, and cool stuff like that. But yeah. I, I, first of all, so I don't know if you, you know this about me, but I'm a huge fan of hockey. And what the heck does this have anything to do with Christopher O'Donnell? Well, because I take off every Friday, my wife and I, that's how we met, by the way, uh, six years ago. Um, and we go to the rink and we play hockey every Friday. 
And what I find is that when I do something like that, it takes my mind away from the business. It kind of frees up because uh, uh, all I think about is is where's the puck going, and and you know I'm, I'm I'm talking with friends that I don't work with, right? There's just a different mentality going on, but I come back refreshed, right? And uh, it really helps with my creativity uh, because I'm stepping away from the day to day of of the business here. You uh, have this band, the providers. And when we were talking before, um, you were talking about how that really helps with creativity and things. I wonder maybe if you can tell us a little bit about the providers. I'd love to know what instrument you play uh, and what you're doing with them. And what the heck does that have to do with culture? Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, Happy to. Yeah. The providers is uh, it's a pop rock band that um, that I started with a fellow named Brad Helene, who's this 62 year old died in the wool you know, rock and blues legend. He plays bass. I play guitar. I'm the songwriter and singer. And he, he uh, takes the producer chair for, for, you know, much of what we do. And then we bring in session musicians and, you know, it's like this throwback thing where we're in the big studio, you know, people, I love, I, I actually majored in electronic music in college, believe it or not, but. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, you know, I have no, I have nothing against making music on laptops. I think it's great. I do demos on laptops. It's, it's, it's awesome. But there's something about being with real people in the studio and, you know, vintage instruments and vintage microphones and the big mixing board and the whole kind of throwback vibe is, uh, is super fun. And, you know, I, I reflecting on the, we spent two years making this, this record that we're launching in the fall. Folks can check out the providers.com, um, sign up, we'll send you free stuff. We'll send you the music. It'll be great. Um, go sign up there. The the process of writing, rehearsing, recording, mixing, mastering the this you know the fourteen songs that we brought into the studio. It's just amazing how many of the dynamics that we're after um, are similar to making something as seemingly different as software. You know, <clears throat> are people? Do you have clarity of roles? Right. I mean, who's in charge of which piece of the puzzle? Uh, and getting that right, building trust and having, you know, personal relationships, celebrating these little wins, getting excited about the project together. And you can just see how much trust is built up because, you know, of course we're working together, but we're also off on our own working, writing, sure. mixing, you know, whatever. And it's, you can see how much, how the trust grows and the communication patterns grow and, you know, something as simple as what do we email about versus what do we Dropbox about versus what do we text about? I mean, all of those things. And then on a more macro level, you know, the, the psychological safety of being able to offer ideas. You know, I think that's the, the biggest thing we're after in a creative environment with teams, whether the team is, you know, three people. I mean, do you even feel safe with yourself taking risks? Yeah. Then to, you know, the three or four core people who are building a record together, it's very similar to the you know core three or four people. Our team at HubSpot um, product team is is divided into these small autonomous teams that are about the size of a rock band. You know. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Interestingly enough, yeah, it's you know five or six people, and you know the the pushback and um, you know the innovation coming from offering new ideas and having a shared vocabulary. That's entirely the same. You know whether you're. Uh, discussing, you know, an approach to a baseline and a drum groove, or you're thinking about how to make UI changes and make, you know, a product more usable, you really need to be able to feel safe speaking up. And, you know, you also mm-hmm. have to be respectful of people's ideas and trying things. 
And, and, you know, that's a really important thing that we fostered with the providers is, you know, there are no bad ideas and we're going to try a lot of different things. A lot of things aren't going to work out, but, you know, we trust each other and we're here to build an amazing product. You know, if you want to make something good, I think there are a lot of things you could do and, you know, some, some template kind of workflows for how to put a product together or put a song together or whatever. You can find those, find those anywhere. But to try to make something really amazing and really great, you have to have the security culturally to, to push each other, you know, yeah. and to find a way to say things like, how about we try it this other way? Or to say, we're not happy. It's not good enough. We need to go back and redo this from the ground up. I see those both in in the studio and, and also you know every day here at work. This is this is incredible. So one of the biggest things uh, besides the behavior uh, that you were kind of talking about right now is is the communication, and I think communication is obviously <laughs> extremely important, but it's the way in which people are communicating. And I think that there is a message or in, in whether it's communication behavior, but there's a message that everybody kind of shares um, in a belief, a similar belief. Uh, someone might say a, a similar belief system. And, and I think that is the core. How long have you been with uh, your mate there, the, the, the producer? What was his name? Oh, Brad Helene. Yeah. We've Brad been working Helene. together for about two years now. Okay, for two years. Um, and do you find, how is that relationship with you? Would you consider him a good friend? Would you consider him? Oh, I mean, you know, it's very common, not just in, in that relationship, but in work relationships, you know, I will say, and people will say to me, I love you. And not in an ironic way. Like, right. you know, I mean, it, and it's all different flavors of this stuff. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. to answer your question, he's like a brother to me. Yeah. You know? Um, and a lot of the people that I work with are, are like that in a, in a different way, but you know, sometimes people will say when they're scared and we're about to take a big risk, you know, it's like, Hey, look, we're in this together or delivering some tough feedback. You know, you get down out from in front of the room, in front of, you know, the big group delivering a message. And then one of your leaders grabs you and, and pulls you aside and says, Hey, look, I love you. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you, you know it's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, look, here's here's this here's this sharp edge on on the message that um, you know, that I think we're gonna have to sand down a little bit or you know, whatever whatever it is. And so yeah, I th I think the you know, the personal relationships um are are super important. And then also being able to to differentiate, you know, the the clarity of roles of that professional working mm. relationship from, you know, whatever kind of friendship um or camaraderie that you you know that you kind of have. Yeah. How, how do you choose who you spend your time with or who you work with? Well, I will say, you know, I manage product managers. So these are like the record producers of software. You know, these are the people who aren't necessarily going to be playing the instruments. They're not writing the code, but they're the one in charge of shepherding the creation of a shared vision and that actually coming to light without anybody really working for them. You know, it's very, very similar to to music production. It's like, hey, I'm the producer. I got hired on this gig. You folks are the talent. You know, yeah. I'm just here to help you make something amazing. And so I'm going to bring ideas. I'm going to bring a level of taste. I'm going to bring energy. You know, those are the things. And so my so it's a very amorphous job description. And you know, there are probably 60 product managers on my team. The number wow. one question that they have. 
And we try to get this. It's a big cultural thing. It's like we try to get the anxieties that they have and the self-doubt. We try to get them talking about it and sharing that with leadership. You know, we want to know. Um, and the number one thing for them is I'm not sure I'm spending my time the best way or a reasonable way. Because you come in, like, you know, product manager, you come in in the morning. What do you want to do? Well, you could call customers. You could talk to people internally in the business. You could look at analytics and data. You could um, use the product yourself. You could read support feedback. I mean, there are, you know, a million things you could do. You could work forever on in any of these directions. So, so how do you try to find a good mix? And, and I'm constantly asking that question of myself. You know, the company is growing so quickly. My role has changed so much and continues to change that I'm constantly looking at how I spend my time. I actually have scripts I've written to, to grab my calendar and break it down. And how much time am I spending in one-on-ones? How much time am I spending in, in, uh, in big meetings? And, you know, who haven't I seen in a long time? All this kind of stuff. So I'm, I try to be really, really uh, introspective with that. And it changes, you know, yeah. one of the things I think that's happening now is, you know, relying on a lot of one-on-one time, I think is a little bit starting to break, you know, and oh. our office is set up for so much one-on-one stuff, yeah. but you know, the, and, and I just, I just did, by the way, I just did my 360 feedback. So I got all this great feedback from my team and from the, the larger executive team who are kind of my peers, um, across other departments, you know, leaders of other departments. And it's really, really interesting, you know, and I think that that's one of the things I really need to, to focus on is spending more time with, with more people, you know, and mm. probably being in, yeah, probably doing more like three, four person meetings and a lot more cross-functional stuff because, you know, I get into a rut where I'm working with, you know, my leadership team really, really closely. Um, and, you know, it, it, and it kind of starts to break. So yeah, all I, I of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and, and then you get the feedback and you go, okay, this is really interesting. Um, you know, these people are really happy and these are the people I'm spending a ton of time with. And then here are these people who are, you know, are, are trying to read my mind or, you know, you get feedback like that and you go, oh boy, okay. You know, when I'm with them, I'm, I'm, I'm a super transparent person. I'm happy to talk about anything. Sure. Um, you know, but I need to figure out. So I, to answer your question, I don't really <laughs> have it figured out. I think it's something that is foundational to culture is how you spend yeah. your time and our behavior as leaders. And I think we should just always be introspective about it. Mm. And the same goes for like skill building. You know, what are we trying to each individual, you know, what are we trying to get better at? And is it what the team needs? Is it what the yeah. culture, you know, Am needs? I spending my time wisely? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think what I hear or understand, um, by, um, not necessarily avoiding meeting with your own internal teams and, and project managers or whatever that is, but you're also kind of creating something new. You're going to external departments and that, that kind of new, I think is helps with creativity, uh, brings in different viewpoints, uh, maybe some new ideas you haven't thought of. And you said you're, you said that you had many different job roles because uh, so it's growing so fast. Sure. Yeah. Um, and every, I, I would, I would uh, assume, I don't, I don't know for this to be a fact or not, but I would assume that once a new job role is, there's comes new challenges, um, but maybe new inspiration, uh, new creativity. Um, and that keeps people going much in the same way with music. Um, you're always creating. And if you can create a new riff or something, um, that just makes that particular 
song or whatever that much better. But that, that challenge of, of new or inviting external feedback uh, that maybe didn't, wasn't there before. Uh, and maybe I'm way off base here, but that, that maybe is what I'm, I'm hearing. I think, you, I think you nailed it. For me, it's very specifically a balance of, of two factors here. One of which you just described, which is this idea of the producer, the leader, having his or her own ideas. You know, if you're going to go in to make a record, boy, you better have a lot of ideas up your sleeve. Mm-hmm. You know, hundreds of little song bits and just different things and, and you know, uh, patterns and approaches. If you're a designer, you know, you need to have, um, you know, everything you see, you see a, a billboard on a bus and that gives you three ideas that you, that you, you know, that go into your book vocabulary, you're reading, you know, you're, you're using products, all this kind of stuff. It, it all feeds in and it just sort of sits there latent and you bring those ideas in. From a leadership perspective, how do you balance that? Yeah. Because people, and people want that. Your team, your team will want you to have a perspective and want you to have ideas. They also, in my experience, will want to know that they have space to fail, to innovate, to not do your idea. Mm. You know, and so how do you balance this idea of, you know, leadership and vision with a servant leadership or distributed leadership model where you are really trusting people to go out there and do their best and you're not going to hold it against them if they fail. You're not going to hold it against them if they don't do the thing (laughs) that you suggested as an idea. And so that's a big part of our vocabulary now is, you know trying to um, frame our ideas and feedback to say, hey, look, you know, here's how I've been thinking about it, and I want you to do it this way, versus, uh, oh, that's really interesting. You're up against that challenge. Boy, well, my only thought off the top of my head is X, Y, and Z, but you know, who knows if that'll lead anywhere. It's just a suggestion. Um, it, that's Ooh. something from the feedback that I've gotten over the last eight years, that's like the number one thing to work on is trying to get that balance right. The best thing about working on my team is and I, this is an empirical thing. I have the data on this. I have quotes for days and days and days. The best thing about working on the team is Christopher believes in me and will trust me with hard challenges and not hold it against me when I fail. The hardest thing about being on my team is Christopher believes in me, gives me tough challenges, <laughs> and sometimes I fail because it's just still hard. You know. So anyway, I think that balance is, is super, super difficult. Well, it, it is, um, but I but I also think that that some something like that can be, <clears throat> and you can go back on previous episodes where I tell a different story between meetings and briefings. Meetings mm. are planning, discussion, brainstorming. Briefings are okay. We've done this. We're deciding. We're doing this. Like, and you don't have a briefing out of the blue, <laughs> right? right? That causes chaos. So you have to lead up. To that kind of thing. And I think when, when people, if you, for, for our internal staff, they create their own job roles mm-hmm. uh, and responsibilities, which so. is nice. They design their boundaries with, with in they're able to do, perform their uh, responsibility. And one of the biggest challenges we had early on was, as, as I was listening to that, was them being afraid to speak up. Can you do this? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Can you really do this? Well... I mean, not really, but they were constantly trying to um, make us happy and say, yes, they can do everything, even if they couldn't. Or 
um, maybe they didn't necessarily agree with something that we were suggesting, but they didn't want to rock the boat. And that is not good. Uh, I want to make sure that if there is a challenge, bring it up. Let me know. Uh, it happened on a meeting this morning, actually. Um, had they been silent, I would have never known that there were certain challenges they were facing. But giving them the platform and the ability to say, hey, uh, you know what? There's a challenge here. Um, I don't see how this works for us because these are the problems that I've encountered. And I was like, this is great. And because of that feedback, we decided to pivot and, and, and go in a different direction instead of trying to go forward and one month, two months down the road, have a bunch of upset people. Uh, so I think it's really important to, give, to empower them to be able to say, yeah, you know what? Because I, here's the thing. If, they're, if what they suggest and we take it and run with it, and if it fails, it's not going to bankrupt the company. Right. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't have that big of a hold, a stranglehold on what happens. But we get to learn from it. And I think that's where they say failing forward or anything like that. But having the wherewithal to empower your teams or those people that are, are surrounding you in that particular environment to just be able to feel comfortable uh, making suggestions like that, I think is the all the difference in the world. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said there. That, that, that's been our experience as well. Um, it, it, you know, one thing we think we've learned here is to try to give everybody not just a channel to provide that feedback, but multiple channels. And we've tried, mm. I mean, I will tell you, we've tried everything, you know, from weekly surveys with a random, you know, preordained question to, you know, quarterly NPS, ENPS. Um, we still do ENPS. Um, we do it a, a little deeper and a little less frequently now. We obsess over that. We do AMAs, you know, ask me anything sessions. I think those have been, uh, if what, I had What is ENPS? Oh, sorry. Um, employee Net Promoter Score. Okay. So it's how likely are you to refer a friend to work at HubSpot? Mm. And then why? We dig into those. We cut those into themes. We look at themes by department. And then we respond to them. You know, And that's a really critical thing that, it, that was baked into what you said, is that when you, once you got that feedback, you responded. Yeah. You know, and but it's so easy. I mean, and even in, in product development, it's hard to remember to close the loop with people. E even if you're getting the feedback and hearing it and changing your behavior, you still have to do this step of, by the way, we hear you. And so there's the, we do this, you know, um, employee NPS. And then department by department, we write up the, the themes it, and, and publish the themes that we're seeing and what we're going to do in response to those themes. And so, sometimes the answer in response is life is tough, you know, but usually there's usually, I mean, yeah. almost always there's a way for us to say, hey, look, you know, here's our perspective on the feedback you're giving us. People just love the context. They love to know yeah. that the conversation is, is they're being heard. Hard. Yeah. That they're being heard. They're being validated. Like, yes, this is a, yes, you are, this group of you is having this experience. We can understand. We understand. We hear you. We see you. You know, yeah. you matter. Um, the the AMAs, I will say, you know, for for those folks listening, there's one thing you might try. Um, I would recommend this AMA thing. And, you know, you can have people submit questions. 
uh, a million different ways over Slack, um, through a Google form, anonymously, not anonymously, however you want to do it. The, the idea is you want to get a body of knowledge, which is what are all of the water cooler conversations? Mm-hmm. Get that body of knowledge. Um, you want, by the way, you don't want the easy questions. The easy questions don't do any, it's sort of a waste of time. You want the hard questions. And then you want to really focus on them and figure out the right way to kind of respond to those and then respond very, you know, very humanly. We do it live. We do it quarterly here across engineering, design, product management. We just get up and it's like a talk show. You know, um, we actually, it, it's a lot like a talk show now because we just got these really cool chairs that we get to sit in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's like a, another, another, uh, uh, you know, kind of unrelated, but it's, it's an hour long. Oh, that has direct, uh, directly related to culture. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, there's something really great about it and people like it and they walk out of the room and, and you know, we don't have a perfect answer for everything. Yeah. Just being able to get up there, hear the question and say, I'm thinking about this and I don't have the perfect answer is, is a, is a, is a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the truth, you know, and whatever you're in, we're in all of these situations where it's, you know, how do we handle these team moves or how do we handle this? How do we handle that? The answers always tell the truth, yep. always tell the truth. Um, and so, you know, that requires uh, kind of getting down off our high horse and leadership and showing that we don't have it all figured out. But uh, in my experience, people respond super well to that. And by the way, when you do come with a you know leadership message, a change, a uh, you know an update to the culture, like I view a, a huge amount of my job is like I am the the product owner of the culture of the team, and that's the people on the team, that's career path, that's roles and responsibilities, that's communication and chemistry, you know, and sort of setting the stage for their behavior to really coalesce into a culture yeah. that works for them and then works for our customers. You know? fantastic. And so we'd have to change things. By the yeah. way, culture is not static. I, you know, we love oh. our culture. We have values. We articulate those values, you know, all the rest of it. There are some non-negotiable things. The uh, entire key though is to be changing and iterating that culture. Um, and again, you know, showing the vulnerability of not having all the answers. When you do have something you want to try, you have a little bit more credibility. You know, because you're not getting up there and just pretending like you have everything, you know, that you're the general ordering people in all of these directions. You go, hey, look, you know, so we've thought about this a lot. It's been a month. We've talked to a lot of you. Here's here's what we think we want to try. Um, And then people seem to be really responsive to that. Yeah. People want the leadership, right? People want leadership, but they also (laughs) want to be involved in the dialogue. See, I think that's fantastic because that's 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 what I call um, responsible leadership. And, and I, the, the reason I like that so much is while you're being an effective leader and making a decision, you're making a decision based on feedback and, and, and you're including uh, the group. And one of the cool things is I love the fact that you're, you're always in a constant state of beta with regards to um, uh, you know, where the culture goes. It, it, it has that flexibility. It's not set in stone and this is the way and it's going to always be like this. I absolutely love that because it gives you an opportunity, especially before when you said you broke down into teams, Mm -hmm. uh, you have that luxury of having a larger company where you have the teams. Um, And what's really cool is you can experiment with these new opportunities um, and the maybe new visions or tweaks in culture um, by 
administering, you can get a team that believes in this new direction, potential direction, and have them work through it in their own team and see how that works and get feedback from them. Oh my gosh, it's been fantastic. Well, guess what? Now we can see it's kind of proven and it's helping. Maybe we can give it to this team and they can try it. And then, and maybe that's, there's just so many ways um, to kind of grow it and, and bring it out. I just think it's fantastic that you, uh, you have that opportunity and that you do it. I, you, you, just something in there that I love so, so much is the idea of, I guess, in some fields, you'd call it social norms marketing. Okay. You know, where they, you know, in college, they go, hey, actually, you know, only, you know, only one out of 10 people at your university, you know, uh, go out to party regularly or whatever. And, and people just go, oh, wow, interesting. My, I had a different impression. So one of the things you can do in leadership is when you see things that are working well, and it could be a process that, that people have kind of bootstrapped together, or it could be anything, you know, anything right? Yeah. Call it out and celebrate it. Yeah. You know? um, and, and the more you do that, and by the way, for diversity and inclusivity, this is huge too. Like, how do we behave as leaders? If you want a flexible work environment, you know, then don't run the team and let them believe that you're there 14 hours a day and on your email all weekend. You know, if you, if you want, you know, say, hey, I'm away for the afternoon because I'm chaperoning my kid's field trip. You've just sent the message to everybody there that it's okay to do that and it's okay to say it. And by the way, when you're chaperoning your kid's field trip, you, you feel wonderful because you, you yeah. don't have this like, oh, but my friend, yeah. you know, the crew is back working. It's like, no, this is what we do. You know, this is what we do. And if we, if we have an emergency, you know, with family, we deal with that. If we have an emergency with work, family understands that, you know. And so I, I think that that point about social norms marketing, it's kind of like the total life hack um, it, because it saves you from saying, okay, document, you know, here's this thing that um, we've decided in the new way we're going to work. You can just go, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Look at how that team's working. Yeah. And people just kind of start, people just kind of start to do it. Yeah. It's a, it's a really good way of, a, of a, maybe adopting, you know, New opportunities. I just think it's neat that you that you have that belief system there. Uh, one example, just from yesterday, that we <laughs> that I noticed. So all these product managers, you know, they're in charge of like the vision for the product. So yeah. they, you know, they're constantly doing things. Like of, of course, they have a deck at any given time. They have some deck which is, you know, uh, their kind of you know fifteen minute pitch on what they want to do this year. This you know whatever the time frame is, but sure. they, they all have that. What's really interesting is no leadership has never given them the template for that deck. And whenever it's, it's been very emergent and, you know, we're always coaching people and giving feedback and all this kind of stuff. But every once in a while, someone will come along and have just a way, but maybe they're really good at information architecture design, or, you know, we acquire a company and somebody comes in with this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial experience or leadership experience. And somebody comes with, a, a way of doing it that's just like way better than anything we've done. Yeah. What happens is everybody else copies it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, great. You know, I, I, I was having lunch with a PM mystery. He goes, Oh yeah, I copied so-and-so's deck. You know, my deck looks awesome now and it's the <laughs> loves it. And you know, the vision is so good and the way it's laid out with timeframes, all this stuff. And he's like, I copied it from so-and-so. I'm like, that's great. That's great. Go tell all your friends to do the same thing. Yeah. It's, that's fantastic. Well, you know, it's cool. It's, I've heard tons of things about uh, your environment. I went to, I think it was three years ago or something. I went to the big HubSpot 
there's like 20 some thousand people there. Inbound. Yes. Yeah, Inbound.com. Yes. It yeah. And it was, um, it was pretty, it was massive. I wasn't, I think, who was it? Michelle Obama, I think was the person that was talking. Uh, I think that was three years ago, maybe two or three years so ago. I got to meet her. She gave me a hug. She's a, she's an amazing hugger. Yeah. Is she really? Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> she, she looked at me and she just said, you just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> right on. <laughs> super cool woman. That was the highest rated talk of the, of the whole event too. That was really cool. She talked about family most of the time and yeah. what it was. Oh, that was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. I remember we walked in and then I thought, man, we were one of the first people because we were waiting outside. And then I said, oh no, I just want to sit back here because there's so many people in there. And my buddy's like, we waited in that line. Let's go all the way up the front. And I go, I'm scared to go all the way up there. <laughs> it's so many people there. I could not believe the amount of people that were there. So it's huge. That's, that's, you know, what I'm working on now. So I, I do a talk on that stage once a, at, at that event and I do the kind of product launches and all the rest of it. And uh, it, it's a really fun moment for me. There's an enormous amount of work that goes into it, but it's really in service of the teams, you know, mm. and, and I don't, I never have to say, so it's a big deal if you get something, you know, uh, in, into the talk because yeah. your team is just so psyched and there are, you know, 10, 12,000 people in the audience and on, you know, 30,000 on live stream and it's this like massive thing. It's huge. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And, uh, and it's a ton of fun. And I love, I love public speaking. Um, and so it's an excuse for me to get a coach and do these dress rehearsals. It's like, I actually, I totally love it. Um, <laughs> but, but we never have to, we never have to go to the teams and say, are you going to have this thing done by this deadline? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, hey, look, here's this vehicle. We're building the deck for this talk. If you ship something, let us know. You know, and and then the teams use that as a way to get really, really excited and and sort of try to get in the deck. Yeah, and that's just you know that's one of the these slight changes from you know moving away from command and control and telling people what to do, and moving to a world of ownership where they have goals, they have guardrails, there are rules. <laughs> we are grown-ups, you know. We are a public company. There, are, there are actually a lot of rules, but within those rules, teams just can get super excited, you yeah. know. And and you just get so much. I mean, look, if if what we're after is just productivity, like if you're just a total capitalist and forget all this touchy feely culture stuff, and you're totally cynical about it, it's just the best way to get creative people to be productive, you know, um, because it because they actually own it. And if something yeah. happens to their product in the middle of the night, they, they're the ones up working on it, you know? And that's kind of the root of the whole culture. It's like, look, this thing is yours. And so you own the support cases, you own, you know, the uh, getting up in front of the company and celebrating if it grows and does all this wonderful stuff for the company and for our customers, you know, you own the whole thing top to bottom. We're here to serve you. We're here to help you. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, you know, my, as you know, the teams now, my team's like 200 people now. And I've had to go through the shift of, you know, when I was a frontline person, I was like, yeah, I'm the quarterback, you know? And then you start to get a little older and wiser and the team starts to grow and you're managing people and you're like, okay, no, I'm the coach. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the coach on the sideline, you know, I'm calling plays, you know, the, the players are on the field. This, this last shift that I'm really trying to move into and have felt just naturally I've moved into is to be like the player's agent. Mm. So all I am 
all I'm trying to do, yes, I'm trying to set a vision. Yes, I'm, there are certain aspects of the trade craft of my job and communication and you know, um, interfacing with the executive team and the rest of the company. Like, yes, I have to do all of the you know, head of product things. But the best way to think about the people on my team is I'm just trying to get them into the situation where they can create the most value and play oh. the hardest and have the most fun. And so that, if you take that mentality, amazing things happen because instead of doing, let's say you have, let's say you're a leader of a team and you have a briefing that you're going to do and your numbers look amazing, right? You're lucky enough to be in that position. You killed this project, you know, um, totally crushed the quarter, whatever it is. If you think of yourself as the quarterback or the coach, you're going to make that deck and make it all pretty and get up there and give the briefing. And you've done the briefing a hundred times, a thousand times, and everybody's going to say, oh, she's great or he's great or whatever. And you're going to go home and, and, and go to bed. What about finding the lieutenants who like really did the work and really drove forward and you put them up there and their name goes on the deck and you sit in the back of the room and you keep your mouth shut. That's what you do if you're an agent. You know, and then you start to pull that back and you go, okay, well, what about at the beginning of the quarter? And then it's like, oh, interesting. Now I'm starting to think about delegation in this very different way. I'm not thinking about delegation as like, okay, these are my things and I am going to bestow this thing on you to do in my stead. It's much more like, what are the big interesting problems? And who are the people that we can put on the field to tackle these problems who are are ready and maybe are going to really learn from the experience? You know what I mean? And and then what happens is your bench gets deep. Yeah, it does. And, and there's there's always someone there that wants to be on the bench so they can be next to play because they heard about this great, fantastic, you know, University of Alabama or something. You know, it's like that's a team to play for. You know, everyone wants to go play there. The culture's ripe. And then good people, you know, attract better people. Better people attract better people, particularly in engineering, though I think in, in lots of other things. Like engineers, boy, if you're running a software company, don't forget that it's not about comp. You know, it is about mission. It is about clarity of leadership. It is about, you know, work environment and, you know, uh, comp benefits, all that stuff. We have, you know, many folks have, uh, you know, families to feed and all the rest of that. But really, the number one driver of that culture is this desire to be around people who are better than them. It's it's like being in a band. You know the old expression: "If you're the best person in your band, it's time for a new band." Yeah, yeah. And so, the better and better the engineers you get, the better and better the engineers you attract, and people start returning your calls. You know, yeah. um, in 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 really interesting ways. You know, that's amazing that you say this, and I, I want to respect your time, so we can wrap oh, up. Oh, no worries. Soon, but. Um, I loved you talking about delegation. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, I submitted to the national, um, uh, what do they call it? The national day calendar. You, you know, you can go and apply to have a national day for something. Just yesterday, I applied for May 21st to be, that's the day we started my company, every year to be National Delegation Day. Oh, wow. That's and awesome. so I had to I had to write up a whole thing on what delegation means and how powerful it, impactful it can be to your team and to you know you know it, it just basically very similar to what you just outlined there and uh, yeah it, there's twenty thousand submissions a year and they they approve twenty five so the chance of it getting approved are, are not that likely however um, I thought it would be nice a reminder for 
people that were in leadership roles like yourself to understand the importance of delegation and how powerful um, and impactful you can make delegation, not for the simple fact that in my stead, ye shall do that. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's just a different posture. It's like, hey, I have an opportunity for you. Yeah. Hey, you know, look, I have, I know you're super busy. Um, you're doing great in your role. I have this thing that if you wanted to do like nights and weekends or carve some time out with your manager or whatever, um, let me grab a whiteboard and, and pitch you on it. And now you're in this mode of like pitching people on interesting problems. And, and then it changes the dynamic because once you've signed like up, you know, yeah, it's like, it's very different from just being given this thing. Like, Hey, you have to do this deck on, on, you know, October 21st and it's in front of all these people and it's going to be super stressful and you're going to have to spend tons of time on it. And you know, all the rest of it, it can turn into this really fun thing. Like, Hey, I'm kind of on this scent, but I need your help. And then boy, you wake up and it's like, and then that person is thrilled to be working with all of these, you know, all of these executives or what, you know, whatever customers, whatever it is, because it's a new and exciting experience. And then that energy starts to get infectious. And and that individual is going around talking to these people. And then they're like, oh, wow, this feels, because it, to your uh, earlier point, there's a newness to it. And the newness brings creativity and it brings new thoughts. And by the way, just because, you know, we maybe we're viewed as senior, uh, and maybe we do have some experience or maybe, you know, it's not necessarily the case that we'll do a better job than someone who's more junior. You know, that's, that's the real interesting thing is that if you give people an opportunity to take a challenge and like really let it take their, you know, what I think of as like the dog walking time, let that, I can't have X, Y, and Z project be my dog walking time because I got a million other things going on. Give it to somebody who's just going to go, holy cow, this is totally fascinating. Own it. And, you know, own it. And they come back in, you know, two weeks and you're looking at this deck or you're looking at, you know, a whiteboard or something and you're going, I wouldn't have gotten there. I wouldn't have gotten that far. Yeah. So, yeah. That's really our style. Inspiration, all kinds of stuff come from that. So, yeah. Thank you. So how do people reach out to you? How do they get to know Christopher? How are they going to go check you out when you, when you speak or how do they, how do they get the record? How do they, how do they learn more about the providers? Yeah, the record the record's easy. Um, go to theproviders.com. Just pop your first name and your email in there, and we'll we'll put you in. We're we're gonna do some making of videos. We're gonna do you know some uh, stuff of us in the studio, and then obviously the tunes. I wonder is this is this built on HubSpot? Uh, absolutely, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. We're running the whole band on HubSpot. Um, That's fantastic. CRM website, email, the whole thing. It's it's okay. actually I'll tell you it's it's a lot of fun for me because I get to use the product to do yeah. this. Yeah, And it's totally different if you're doing product development. It's totally different using a product when you're invested in it than, than just doing like a product review and seeing the screen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that seems that seems fine. And then you're using it and you're like, this is totally stupid, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, <but laughs> um, so what but you're yeah. saying is everybody uh, should go get their own band and and use their own product through HubSpot to make sure that it works right. I mean, I'm I'm not here to pitch the product, but I will say there's an insane amount of stuff that you can do for free now. Um, it, it's sort of like the the Gmail of CRM. You can just go get HubSpot really? CRM. And there's there's free marketing, so we have free email tools now. Batch email. We have you know free CRM um, with a million contact limit. Um, free wow. service tools, free sales tools. It's it's totally crazy how much is is there for free. So if you know if you folks have small businesses, um, you know totally. If you especially if you don't have a CRM, like if you're using yeah um, spreadsheets or something, yeah, 
it's it's a complete and total no-brainer. Um, and then in terms of working with us on this team or in sales or in service, we have hundreds of roles open. The whole company is very highly rated for culture. It's a killer place to work. Um, and people can learn more at HubSpot.com slash jobs. We are hiring for remote work. We are hiring across the entire world. We have eight locations. We have roles open in all of those locations. So I encourage people to go to HubSpot.com slash jobs and uh, come see what we're about. You know, it, it can't hurt to just throw a throw an application in there and, you know, talk to a recruiter and just um, kind of get to know us a little bit more. Yeah, fantastic. So that's HubSpot.com forward slash jobs. And uh, you can go... Uh, get on the list there for the, uh, the providers pop rock revival at the providers.com. Listen to Chris take off on some riffs there. Yeah. Some guitar <laughs> solos, you know, the week wouldn't be complete without a guitar solo. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, uh, thank you again so much. Chris. Oh, thank you, man. This uh, is awesome. Really appreciate it. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up today? No, I mean, culture eats strategy. You know, strategy is important, but, you know, having motivated, excited people, you know, great people who support each other and care about each other. You know, I guess that my final thought here is just, you know, if you want to build a high-performing environment, build an environment where people really care about each other and support mm-hmm. each other and, and then just get out of the way and, and watch the magic. I appreciate that. Well, best of luck with your talk uh, coming up. and Oh, thanks, man. The continued... Uh, yeah. Kudos to your success. It sounds like you're doing really well over there. I appreciate that. Best of luck with the, with the record. All right, man. Thanks again for having us on. Bye. Thank you so much. Hold on one second. We'll go ahead and wrap up. This is, uh, Jamie J with Culture Eats Strategy. We've been talking to Christopher O'Donnell today. Uh, all the show, uh, links will be in the show notes there. Go check it out. If you're just driving along, listen to this. Don't worry. Uh, I've got you covered. Come on back there. Uh, if you liked what you heard today, go to, uh, Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review. We have instructions on the website exactly how to do that. If you have an Apple device or you have uh, that other device, uh, by all means, uh, go there and uh, um, leave us a rating review. If you don't like what you heard, give me a one-star review and let me know why so I can improve. That's my goal. I want to improve and get better. If you like it, five stars. Love to hear from you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, this episode today with Christopher O'Donnell, Culture Eat Strategy with myself, yours truly, Jamie J. Hope you have a fantastic day. And uh, yeah, talk to you soon. <laughs>